You are tuned to KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Thursday, May 5th. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. COVID not so over? Los Angeles County reports cases are up 200% in the past month. In Sacramento, the McClatchy High School prom turns out to be a super spreader. The California Report travels south to San Diego to learn how 911 dispatchers are key to successful prosecution of rising hate crimes. Avery George of the KVMR Youth News Corps looks into the preparation Nevada County students get for college. We end with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. Governor Gavin Newsom says the Supreme Court's anticipated rollback of abortion rights is part of a larger attack on freedoms and privacy. Newsom has reaffirmed California's support for access to reproductive services after a leaked draft Supreme Court opinion showed a majority of justices supported overturning Roe v. Wade. Here's the governor surrounded by Planned Parenthood supporters in Los Angeles County yesterday. They're taking away rights that have been affirmed over and over again and well-established. They are taking them away. Wake up, America. Wake up to who you're electing. Newsom says he expects an increased effort to undo voting and civil rights, as well as protections for members of LGBTQ communities. Turning to the pandemic, as COVID-19 cases increase around the state, Los Angeles is seeing more outbreaks at workplaces and schools. KPCC senior health reporter Jackie Fortier has the details. The number of COVID-19 cases in L.A. County has jumped significantly in the last month. That's led to clusters of infections at workplaces and schools as people gather indoors, often without masks. I think whenever you see this big an increase in cases, it's up by 200 percent. Like, everyone should take notice. L.A. County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer. When you go into a room with 100 people, it's very likely that in that room there will be at least one or two people that are infected. So far, the number of people in the hospital with COVID-19 or dying from the virus hasn't risen. That's a good sign, Ferrer says. And she says if people remain vigilant now, L.A. may be spared another huge surge in cases. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. Another school in Northern California has seen a significant rise in COVID-19 cases following a school dance. At least 50 students have tested positive at C.K. McClatchy High School in Sacramento over the past two weeks. School officials say nearly half of those positive cases involved people who attended junior prom, which was held on April 23rd. Last month, nearly 100 students tested positive at San Mateo High School in the Bay Area following that school's prom. Hate incidents are on the rise in San Diego, but they continue to be difficult to prosecute. As KPBS race and equity reporter Christina Kim reports, 911 dispatchers can gather useful evidence as a hate crime is unfolding. A warning, this story uses 911 tape discussing hatred and violence. San Diego Police Emergency, this is Belia. Hey there. Um, there are some guys beating up on gay guys in the Balboa Park. That's a 911 call placed in 2006 from just outside Balboa Park on the second night of San Diego's Pride Festival. And the people are screaming for help. Do they have any weapons? 
It sounds like they had baseball bats or something because I can hear them hitting them with something. When three people brutally attack six men, leaving one with severe head injuries while yelling homophobic slurs. And they're saying, like, anti-gay stuff. The attackers, including a minor, were ultimately charged with hate crimes. The recorded 911 call served as key evidence for prosecutors who needed to show hate motivated the attacks. Which is why, more than 15 years later, Deputy District Attorney Abigail Dillon is playing these tapes for over a dozen of San Diego County's 911 dispatchers at a training all about hate crimes. Some of you might be thinking, like, what does this have to do with me? Why am I listening to this boring lady talk about this very niche area of the law, right? Who cares? Um, We're dispatchers. We have a different role to play. But Dylan says the role dispatchers play is very important in collecting evidence for hate crimes. The details that a dispatcher is able to get from someone who is on scene witnessing it as it happened, um, I can't emphasize enough how important that information gathering can be and how critical that evidence can be, especially in hate crime cases. In San Diego's city alone, hate crimes increased by 77 percent in 2021 from the previous year, according to the police department. But even though the district attorney's office received around 300 reports of hate crimes, they only prosecuted 30 cases. Dylan says hate crimes are very difficult to prosecute. It requires us to prove that the perpetrator's act was motivated in whole or in part because of a bias. And that's why Dylan trains 911 dispatchers, because the questions they ask can be pivotal in proving bias. We want dispatchers to be aware of kind of the difficulties of what we have to prove for purposes of hate crimes, um, what's required, um, so that that's in the back of their mind as they're asking for additional details from witnesses or victims or suspects who call 911. She plays 911 calls to show the kinds of questions they can ask, like in the attack at Pride, when the caller said the attackers were saying anti-gay slurs. Dispatchers can also ask whether anyone was displaying any known hate symbols or even get details from suspects. You said that you what? I just shot up a synagogue. I'm defending my country. I'm in my car. You can come get me. I will not shoot you. That's what the dispatcher did when talking to the man who shot four people at a Poway synagogue in 2019. He got his motive. Why'd you do it? Because the Jewish people are destroying the white race. They have been for a long time and no one's doing anything about it. Something has to be done. Christina Newton is a first-year 911 dispatcher for the San Diego Sheriff's Department. After going through the training, she says she's thinking about her job differently. I'll be asking a lot more follow-up questions, a lot more clarifying questions, um, just trying to determine if there are other types of crimes within some of our more standard calls. She says it was good to hear she can help hate crime prosecution. It's this kind of crime that you think people don't get charged for or, you know, victims don't get justice in a way. So it was nice to hear that there are ways to do that. Dylan says prosecuting more hate crimes is an integral part of how the region must address growing hate. I think that by prosecuting hate crimes, we in turn are sending a message that this is not acceptable. So she's making sure dispatchers are ready every time they answer a call. For The California Report, I'm Christina Kim in San Diego. Support for The California Report comes from Stanford Healthcare. Alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area, now is the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. Hint, fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. 
No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. And that's the California Report for Thursday, May 5th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Alex Hall. Thanks for listening. In regional news, state authorities destroyed 14,000 illegal pot plants and seized assault weapons after serving a search warrant on a North San Juan property Tuesday and arresting two people. The State Department of Fish and Wildlife said in a news release that Marcos Padilla Barragon, 24, of Orland, and Pablo Garcia Ochoa, 35, of Corning, face felony charges in connection with the North San Juan bust. Officers descended on the property Tuesday, finding numerous violations, including pollution and littering near a highway. The news release stated that several bags of improperly stored fertilizers and bottles of insecticides and pesticides were also discovered, which could have easily been washed into nearby tributaries or consumed by wildlife, causing serious harm. Officers also seized five firearms, including assault weapons, firearms with altered or no serial numbers, and a stolen handgun, the Union newspaper of Grass Valley reported. Padilla Barragan faces two counts of planting marijuana and one count each of possession of an assault weapon, possession of a large-capacity magazine, and receipt of known stolen property, according to Nevada County Jail reports. Garcia Ochoa faces two counts of planting marijuana. Both men remained in the Nevada County Jail this afternoon. The Nevada Joint Union High School District Board of Directors is expected to fill an empty trustee spot on the board at its June 8th meeting. A news release from the district stated that trustee Jamie Reeves is resigning, effective May 31st. Reeves was appointed to the board in February 2016, elected in November 2016, and re-elected in 2020. Anyone who is at least 18, a citizen of California, a resident of Trustee Area 2 and Nevada County, and a registered county voter is eligible. Trustee Area 2 includes most of downtown Grass Valley and the neighborhoods surrounding Lyman Gilmore Middle School and Scotton Elementary. Caltrans is alerting Interstate 80 motorists of full overnight closures of the east and westbound lanes in the Sierra over the next week for bridge demolition. Tonight through 8 a.m. Friday, Interstate 80 is scheduled to be closed to east and westbound traffic at Cisco Grove for demolition of the second half of the overcrossing structure. Monday through May 12th, east and westbound Interstate 80 will also be closed nightly from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. at Baxter for full overcrossing demolition. Moving on to the regional forecast from the National Weather Service, breezy conditions with mild temperatures and partly cloudy skies are expected into the weekend. Temperatures are expected to drop on Sunday with a chance of showers at the beginning of next week. This evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley will be mostly cloudy with a low around 51. Friday will be partly sunny with a high near 68. Friday night will be mostly cloudy with a low of 47 and a 20% chance of showers before midnight. Winds Friday could gust as high as 21 miles per hour. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe tonight, mostly cloudy and breezy with a low around 40. Winds could gust as high as 30 miles per hour. Friday will be mostly sunny with a high near 60 and breezier with wind gusts up to 45 miles per hour. 
Friday night will be partly cloudy with a low around 34, a 20% chance of showers before 11 p.m., and snow levels down to 7,000 feet after midnight. In Sacramento and Woodland this evening, mostly clear and breezy with a low around 56 and wind gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. Friday will be mostly cloudy, gradually becoming sunny, with a high near 79. Friday night will be partly cloudy and breezy, with a low around 52, and wind gusts up to 22 miles per hour. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. The end of the school year is bearing down on us fast. For seniors in high school, just the thought of moving on to college can be daunting. To help students and families with the transition, schools have developed a tool called College Prep. Listen in as Avery George of the KVMR Youth News Corps learns just what this tool is and how schools are putting it into practice. Who really knows what their plans for after high school are? You know you want to go to college, get a degree, and find a job you love. But how are teenagers supposed to figure that all out on their own? There's always the obvious choice. Ask your parents. They knew how to do it. But there is another option. High schools in America have developed a system called college prep. I asked some college-bound seniors how college prep classes and meetings helped them find where they wanted to go to school and their future career paths. Do you think that the college prep system the school has provided helped you feel prepared for college in your senior year? No, not really. I don't even think that they said that I could like go to get help from somewhere. I also do technically go to North Point, though, so I'm not in on some of the NU stuff, so I don't know what they're doing, but yeah. Um, I don't think that they did. Um, scholarships were really great, and I had a good conversation with my old counselor about college stuff, but I didn't even, I didn't even know how to apply to, to a college, and I didn't even realize that you're supposed to work on that before uh, senior year during summer. I didn't know how to do any of that. I had to do it all on my own, and because of that, I kind of ended up applying a little bit late, well, starting the application process a little bit late, and because of that, I didn't get into the best colleges in the world. I did get into a college I wanted to go to, but I probably could have gotten a better college if I had more warning and more help. I had a pretty decent experience with like college prep and everything, but that's also because my mom's a teacher. Um, but I do feel like there could have been more done to make it more accessible and like easy to uh, for kids to get the help that they need than jumping through a bunch of like loopholes and everything. Do you have any suggestions for the school to improve their college prep system? Um. I would say, like, having more available, like, one-on-one or, like, small group meetings about it. I think people can get lost in, like, the mix sometimes. And, like, and, and like, it just not, I don't know, like, if everybody's there, if it's, like, you know, 50 people in one place, it's, like, people can kind of just, like, ignore it, and then they might not get their needs met, you know? Um, maybe something during junior year at the end some kind of meeting where they'll talk to you about applying to college and give you some help and maybe someone to help you write. I think that'd be awesome. Um, and with, I think that scholarships, maybe not focusing just on the local scholarships, but helping with some other scholarships too would be great. 
I think definitely starting earlier, like maybe junior year, because I know that a lot of the seniors weren't prepared at all, and maybe that was just because pandemic. But I think that we should start junior year on like what to expect or what to prepare for, and then also like a lot of one on one or small group meetings, so it's not just like a general thing if people have more pressing questions that aren't getting answered. But yeah. I also got the opportunity to speak to a Bear River High School counselor to shed some light on what exactly the college prep system is and how the schools are using it. One of the things that we strive to do in Nevada Joint High School District is um, create a wide offering of classes for students to take so that they have choice. And I know especially at Bear River, it's a small school, but we purposely try to add um, as many AP classes and challenging classes, classes that are what are on called the A through G track. A through G track is the course schedule, class schedule in high school that you need to be able to get into a four-year college right away. Um, And so we offer classes that are on this A through G track for students so that they have option, they have choice for their life. Um, And we want as many students that can and want to to try to take that because regardless of what path students choose, um, this just helps students learn and become more well-rounded. I hope this provided some insight into the students and schools process when it comes to taking the next steps in their education. This is Avery George for KVMR News. This story was produced as part of KVMR's Youth News Corps with support from the National Federation for Community Broadcasting and the Community Counts Initiative. For more information about Youth News Corps, 
visit kvmr.org slash youth news corps. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, observations from a working poet. After an entire year of trying to coax myself to start painting again, oil painting, not house painting, which is what I really should be doing, I finally started. What a mess it is, and wow, am I terrible at it. Everything looks like an outline instead of a solid object. And still life's lives that used to be fun and challenging now seem impossible. I feel like my eyes don't work anymore, or my mind, or something. Granted, it's only been three days, but I'm shocked at how inept I became after stopping for a few years. I'm going to try again today because my favorite thing is to paint outdoors on the deck when it's not too hot. I'm not painting en plein air, which is when you paint what you see outside. I'm painting the Yuba from a photograph, but just doing it outdoors. I doubt this has a special name. What I love about painting is the lack of language. I'm pretty worded out these days. About all I can muster on social media is a bunch of heart emojis. So a few hours facing a Yuba photo or some peonies in a green vase, and only talking briefly and sternly to Jack, <clears throat> is wonderful. My cat Jack would like nothing more than to jump straight onto my palette and get oily paw prints all over the deck. I feel relaxed but alert, trying to remind my eyes to paint the real peony leaf folding over the edge of the glass, and not some idea of a leaf that's stored in my head. This is really hard, and such a great lesson for the rest of life. Not that I need any more lessons, thank you. I love mixing colors, too, and using weird ones I'd never wear or let into the house, like neon green, which amps up a peony leaf in exactly the right way, it turns out. I'm remembering things from the several years I painted regularly, too, such as where the light is coming from determining where the shadows lie, not just the glaze on a vase's lip and side. I made a few hilarious mistakes before I realized that I'd learned this once, and it was why one of my vase paintings was making me dizzy. With painting, you have to keep coming back to reality, to what you really see. The details confound and frustrate me. I took a painting of petunias in a glass by my cousin Miranda off the kitchen wall and carried it outside for a tutorial. She's a real painter. Her vase and the water in it and the two background colors were all shades of gray, and there was lots more paint than I'm using. It was almost gloppy in a wonderful way that made the picture exciting. The brush strokes were obvious and luscious. I like the way stems in water are refracted and look unattached to the part of the stem above the water line. I have no idea how to replicate that on canvas, but I'm going to be working on it. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast. Coming up next at 6.30, it's an all-new edition of Soundings 22. 
Host Al Stoller is joined by Mara Noel to speak with local naturalists about local birds. Al also gives us a heads up about the total lunar eclipse coming in less than two weeks. At 7 p.m., it's Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Amy will join us live on KVMR Tuesday night at 7. She'll talk about the importance of community radio and independent media in this country and in our listening area. That's Amy Goodman on KVMR, Tuesday night, 7 p.m., live. KVMR Community Radio gets support from Harmony Books of Nevada City, locally owned for over 25 years, next to the Chamber of Commerce at 130 Main Street, open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 5.30, Sundays, 11 to 4. Harmony Books carries thousands of books, including local authors. And Four Paws Animal Clinic, Doctors Susan Murphy and Sue Lester and staff are proud to support KVMR, providing medical, dental, alternative, and surgical services for cherished companions on Searles Avenue in Nevada City. FourPawsAC.com. This is Joyce Miller signing off. Join us Friday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.